Hello and welcome to Gut Shot, home of the hottest takes for Magic the Gathering. I'm Will, and joining me as always is Frederick. What's up, everybody? I'm Frederick, also known as War Crimes Uwu on Twitch, and welcome to Gut Shot, the only Magic the Gathering podcast that, when a land enters the battlefield under your control, if you control at least six lands, creates a copy of itself. Uh, Will, we've got a really fun topic today, just sort of lighthearted, uh, a format that we both enjoy, um, and some some decks that we will that we've been having fun with that we want to talk about. Um, yeah, how? Uh, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, I am super excited for this one. Uh, this has been the deck that I'm going to talk about has been a deck that I've really been tinkering with for um, a couple of months now. Uh, I built at the beginning of uh, Zendikar Rising, uh, you know, using one of its legendary creatures and, uh, you know, just been t- uh, tweaking it here and there. It made it through Omnath being a uh, presence in Brawl and uh, I'm just really happy with it. It's one of those decks that really gives me a lot of joy to play and uh, you're pl- uh, uh, go, you're bringing a deck, uh, and you're going to talk about it, that also brings you a lot of joy. Is that correct? Yes. I will say I think uh, it's no secret that Gruul is just the most fun color combination. We like it for different reasons. You know, Will's a big fan of the aggro turning creatures sideways vibe that Red Green has always been very good at. And I love the sort of value out of nowhere ramp kind of wins that Red and Green can provide. Uh, and so we've come to you today with two very fun Gruul Brawl decks that we've been enjoying playing. Now, um, I was initially skeptical of Brawl, but it turns out that Brawl on Arena is the fun of Commander, but it takes away the part that I don't like about Commander, which is that when you sit down at the table, there's three piss babies who want you to play at exactly a slightly lower power level than them, but will also gloat like a motherfucker when they win a game. That's a great way. So, that's a great way to put it. I... Um, also, and we've talked about this on the podcast over and over again. I am not the hugest fan of Commander. Um, sitting down and playing a game with 100 card decks against a whole bunch of other people is not fun for me. And, and I know exactly what this is. It's the fact that everyone turtles up and they play all of these permanents. You know, each person has 25 permanents on the field that um, all protect themselves and all do a very complicated and different thing. And I, I don't find that fun. I actually have really come to enjoy Brawl quite a bit, and I know exactly what it is. It's the one-on-one type of magic, uh, you know, like a like a duel situation that I fell in love with with like uh, more competitive formats like Modern uh, and uh, and Legacy. So you get you get the fun of building a theme deck and having a cool commander, but without the turtling and the five-hour games and without the politics and stuff. Yeah, yeah, I I agree. And I think it's partially the politics, partially the sort of people that play Commander that usually drive me away from the format. But on Arena, there's no people. There's just screen names. Uh, (laughs) They're not not even real. Yeah, you don't don't even have to think of them as people. Yeah, it's great. Um, I imagine it's like uh, what uh, Obama did with those drones. Anyway, um, so today we are uh, talking about our favorite Gruul uh, Brawl decks, one of them uh, Will's standard Brawl deck, and one of them my historic Brawl deck. I personally just don't feel like the deck has the tools to be consistent in standard, at least the one that I like, so I prefer to play it in historic, uh, where I also have access to, you know, Big Chandra, uh, Chandra Todd, um and and things of that nature uh but we'll get into that later in the episode i suppose um so yeah do you want to 
so oh, when, so when do you actually get to play historic brawl uh, uh do, are, do you are you frustrated like a lot of players are that uh, historic brawl is not available uh 100 of the time on arena i definitely am um i want to give a huge shout out to the brawl hall discord um where you can easily just there you hop in a channel you say you're looking for a game and you find someone who will add you and play some games of historic brawl with you and it's almost like a brawl queue but it is kind of ridiculous that um you don't there's not something in the client you have to get a discord if you don't have one already hop into this channel and message looking for a game just to get a game of brawl um i'm hoping they add something into the game but at least i do get to play it yeah, I, uh, like most people, I wish that you could play Historic Brawl 100% of the time in the client. Uh, I, I'm, I'm not going to go on Reddit and, like, write these, you know, huge essays explaining how Wizards would make all this extra money if they, you know, just did exactly what the players want. Uh, I'm, I'm, I don't feel that strongly about it, but I do understand that everyone wants it. I, I would like it, too. Um, I have some uh, Historic Brawl decks that I'd really like to play. But you know, I have to say, Standard Brawl has its uh, advantages and uh, has its uh, mm -hmm. draws, uh, at least for me. I really don't want Standard Brawl to be a thing that goes away, and I worry that that's going to happen if Historic Brawl becomes 100% available. Because I don't think people like people will just stop playing standard brawl, and I think that the you know the the fact that it rotates, uh, uh, you know, the, and that you have a lower power level, a lower pool of cards to draw from, is actually uh, it, it, it um uh, it uh, has some uh, interesting things about it. So I just really hate for that to go away. I hope that we could have a world where both could go uh, could coexist. Sure. I, I think it would be nice that both could coexist. My thing is that for me, Brun, Brawl is like a fun, casual format that I play when I don't really want super intense games. I just kind of want to see what somebody else is trying to do, see what I'm trying to do, see if we can make it work. It's like a fun thing. And I think those types of formats don't really benefit from a rotation. In my mind, I think rotation is mostly to keep a competitive format fresh. Um, and that if it's a casual format, the more tools people have to do janky fun things or just express themselves through deck building, the better. And that's why Historic Brawl is more my bread and butter. Um, but I, I do think they definitely both have a place. Um, and maybe it's just because the decks I like don't have the tools to succeed in Standard Brawl. But yeah, we'll see. Um, you seem to have really worked out a pretty fine-tuned list for Phylath uh, that you're going to be talking about. Yeah, the, uh, your point actually makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, if if it's meant to be a casual format where you can go in and just play with your favorite cards and play with a, uh, you know, a tuned uh, uh, theme version of a, a strategy that you really like, you know, you, it makes sense that you would want the format to be a card pool that has all of everyone's favorite cards. And, and let's be honest, you know, standards all new cards, you know, cards that you are currently falling in love with who, who have not stood the test of time. Historic is the format that has the cards that everyone loves because they have a history of playing with them. That, that totally makes a lot of sense. For sure. Um, so something that just occurred to me before we get into it, um, we may have listeners who don't know what Brawl is. Um, so for those who are unaware, um, it's sort of like Commander, um, except it's 60 cards, uh, but it's still Singleton. Uh, you still have a Commander, like, that you can cast any time, and it costs two more each time you have to cast it. It can be a Legendary Creature or a Planeswalker. Uh, and Standard Brawl rotates. Historic Brawl is Brawl with all of the cards that are on Arena, with the exception of a few bands. Oko, Sorceress, Spyglass, uh, that's all that comes to mind. Um... So yeah, that's what that's what Brawl is, and that's what we're going to be referring to and showing you lists for throughout this episode. 
Sure, yeah. Um, and also, before we get into it, uh, I think that you were telling me about the conversation you were having with your brother about magic. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm just really excited. So my brother, uh, the one that lives across the country for your reference, and for our audience's reference, we'll call him Cornelius. Um, so Cornelius um, is getting into magic. Uh, I introduced it to him a few years ago. He played in a pre-release, and he hasn't just had it. He just hasn't had a chance to play it a lot since. But he was telling me about what he's been playing on Arena and how he wants to get into Commander and Paper. So I've just been going through my um, my old collection and and looking for stuff that would be good in a Commander deck based on the sort of play style that he enjoys, like a blue white flyer sort of thing. And the joy, I think Commander provides something unique because with um, or Commander or Brawl, because with a competitive format when you build a new deck you kind of just have to order all the cards you're probably not going to have them lying around but when you build a fun casual commander or brawl deck you get to look through your old collection and fall in love with a random rare that you drafted six years ago Mm -hmm. um and that's just an experience that's pretty unique to these commander and brawl type of formats um and so you know and i feel that way this i feel the same way digging through my arena collection you know i don't need to use any wild cards i just you know, look at these cards that I drafted forever ago from like draft formats at the beginning of Arena or whatever, um, and just build a fun deck that's built around a card that I like. Um, so yeah, with that in mind, um, I want to jump into these brawl decks and talk about uh, what we enjoy, what's what we're having fun with. Absolutely. So we'll start off with my deck. Um, as um, we said before, this is a standard brawl deck for the um, uh, Zendikar Rising standard. Uh, we're in the uh, uh, right at the tail end of the year, so we don't have less than a month until we're getting Kaldheim. So this deck is about to be completely uh, uh, out of date. Uh, but I think that Firelath is important enough, uh, or you know, powerful enough uh, to where you could tweak it with just new Kaldheim cards, and this will still be a force to oh, reckon yeah. with in standard. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. You can throw the new Ratatoskr card in there, which I predicted incorrectly. <laughs> yeah, uh, that, that card's actually uh, not the direction I was expecting them to go with that. But, I mean, I guess that's why they get paid to, to uh, make cards and we don't, right? <laughs> yeah, it has Predator Ooze energy, and it excites me. Yeah, absolutely. So, for Phylath, those who don't know this card, this is Phylath World Sculptor, a uh, legendary elemental from Zendikar Rising. Uh, costs six mana, four generic, and then one red, one green. Uh, when Phylath enters the battlefield, create a zero one green plant creature token for each basic land you control. And then it has a landfall ability, and then landfall is something that triggers any time a land comes into the battlefield uh, on your side of the field. Whenever a land enters the battlefield under your control, put four plus one plus one counters on target plant you control. So when your plants will uh, go up to a four or five, and then you can also stack this. So you can keep targeting the same plant if you need to, and it can keep growing bigger and bigger. So, you know, if you build a deck that has lots of ways to get lands onto the field, uh, this landfall ability can really get out of control. And then also he's a five, five. Yeah. Um, as I, I believe we discussed in our um, review of all the um, Rise, Zendikar Rising cards, this is sort of a nod to Avenger of Zendikar, which is sort of a casual commander favorite. Um, a lot of people want to play that card as their commander, but it's obviously not legendary. So they made it legendary, changed the effect a little bit, added red to it. Um, so you could play a lot of the cool red landfall cards. Um, so, Will, what have you done with this deck? Yeah, you know, what you said is just a great point. Uh, you know, Phyleth is not as good as Avenger as Zendikar, obviously. Avenger is like, you know, like a very well-loved and very powerful card. This is not that, but it's 
if you, if you don't worry about that comparison and just think about the card on its own, it's actually a really powerful commander uh, that plays into a um, strategy that is, one, very powerful in the standard format, and two, just powerful in general in the Brawl format. So this deck is a, it's a Gruel deck that is, uh, you know, part ramp, uh, you know, you know, like a red green ramp package um, that also mm-hmm. uh, takes advantage of landfall triggers, uh, and then really tries to lean into taking advantage out of those landfall triggers and uh, taking advantage of the plant tokens that Phylath creates. Um, that's where yeah. a lot of the the power of this deck comes from is just having the ability for six mana out of your command zone to one put a five five onto the field, which is not relevant, and then just get a whole bunch of tokens that you can get value out of in addition to your landfall uh, triggers. Yeah, um, and and we notice here looking at the list um, that you don't actually play um, Golden Goose, so you want all of your ramp to actually be putting extra lands onto the field, not just making mana. Is that um, is that worth it just to make sure that you're capitalizing on the landfall trigger that much? Yes, yes, uh, that is a, a space consideration. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. since this uses landfall triggers so much, uh, it really uh, makes more sense to lean towards. Uh, uh, things that bring uh, lands either from your hand or from uh, the deck instead of uh, like uh, you know uh, mana dorks, uh, gilded goose or anything like that. And I do run a couple of artifact um, uh, artifact mana producers. Just be, I mean, arcane signet is just you know one. You kind of the, have to, yeah. It's one of the best things you can do in brawl, so you just play it. But um, I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, I wanted to highlight my rant package here. Um, uh, Lowe's <laughs> Cobra, you know, great way to. Um, uh, get extra mana off of all this stuff, but then it's it's your usual suspects when it comes to uh, green. Uh, you know, getting lands into play. Uh, we got a dry, right. dryad of the Elysian Grove, um, which is pretty good. I found the Zuza, which is also uh, legal in this format. Um, you know, kind of was wasted a little bit because there were very few times that I would be able to play a Zuza and then just immediately mm-hmm. dump lands for my hand because you know you're you know you're more trying to get them out of your deck than out of your hand because your hand will most likely just be filled with top end gas. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. Okay. Yeah. And like, I'm looking at this list and what's, what's cool is, um, so a lot of pretty much every brawl deck needs to play solemn simulacrum. Yeah. It's a little bit too much value not to play, but it's the decks that care about having lands like the ramp decks and the decks that can sacrifice that really make the most use out of it. And so I love him in my deck too, which we'll get to soon, but he's great in any deck where you can sack him, any deck where you need extra lands. And I feel like he really shines here more than he does in other brawl decks, although he's going to see play in every brawl deck. Yeah, that's a uh, uh, something great about this deck is it uses a lot of cards that are obviously good and some people would say are auto-includes, but uh-huh. they just they lean particularly into the style of play. Um, yeah, so so that's that's true there. Uh, yeah, really leaning into things like cultivate, uh, migration path, uh, vastwood surge. You know, things that are taking a lot of lands out of the deck and putting them into play. Uh, uh, just a quick note: um, vastwood surge, which is a basically a migration path for mana. You can get two uh-huh. uh, basic lands, put them in the play tapped, and then you can kick it for um, I think double the mana, eight 
mana, and then you could put plus one, plus one counters on all of your creatures. Obviously, that's pretty good with being able to get those plants in. I have to say, yeah. like, this card is really good and obviously plays in there. I don't really ever kick this. I usually, it's usually just the migration path. And honestly, explosive vegetation. Yeah, and honestly, that's the same card, right? uh, yeah, I, yeah, I believe that's the same oh. card. And honestly, just having a second copy of that is good enough. Yeah. I, I think I'm still puzzled by no gold, Gilded Goose. I mean, obviously, you've played this deck to the moon and back, so you know that it, it doesn't go in there. But I'm still puzzled by the Gilded Gooses um, not being included because it lets you, you know, you've got a lot of three-drop ramp that could come down on turn two if you're playing Gilded Goose. Um, why no Gilded Goose? Well, yeah, um, honestly, there's a lot of space considerations with this deck. Um, I'm also not playing Escape to the Wilds, um, which is obviously a great card. I mean, it's banned uh, in standard. Yeah. It's banned in standard. It obviously fits into this, uh, you know, game plan. But I just have to say, there are other cards I'd rather play. Uh, you know, Gilded Goose, terrible top deck. Um, you know, uh, this de this deck, I think, just plays to its strengths, where it can just take the first two couple of turns off and then really start ramping on, you know, turn three into your top end and then like just the power of your top end and taking advantage of the phylatha you know plant tokens and landfall triggers is enough to get you over the finish line yeah sometimes you got to put space considerations over spice considerations for sure for sure and then you know there's a couple of uh uh cards in here that are specifically uh to take advantage of those plant tokens uh you know weaponize the monsters uh you know uh, uh, uncommon from Ikoria fits perfectly into this lets you sacrifice the um uh the plants to deal damage uh, the vastwood surge as i mentioned um uh, uh castle embrith uh stuff like that um so you know this deck does have ways to once you can land the phylath even if you can't get the uh the uh, the the landfall triggers uh, to uh, make the plants bigger, you can still get insane value by just swinging with all of them oh, yeah. and then pumping them up in multiple ways. Yeah, absolutely. Ways to take a, advantage of plant tokens. Uh, and then, of course, we have our you know big top end here, uh, w which is you know basically where the stack uh, you know takes advantage of all the mana that's accumulating by getting these lands into play, and just plays you know just great red green cards. So we got stuff like a Chandra Heart of Fire, the Great Hinge, Ugin, of course, uh, Thorn Mammoth, a uh, Col. Um, Kogla, you know, to, um, you know, uh, fight creatures and then um, uh, be able to destroy artifacts and enchantments. So this deck can just play like ramp and then huge beaters uh, to end the game. Yeah. If, if the five life plan doesn't work out. Right. right. It just turns into like a gruel value deck. Right, for sure. Well, okay, so I have a list of specific cards that I would like to talk about. Oh, okay, um, I see it here now. I'm sorry. No, yeah. I uh, no, it's okay. Uh, just a couple of cards that I want to highlight real quick that I think really are the glue of this deck. Um, and the first thing I want to talk about is Fires of Invention. I don't think I have to explain why Fires of Invention is a uh, is a great card. Um, right. Obviously, it has the ability to you know not only double but honestly kind of triple uh, your mana. Um, you know, it's a huge player in standard. Um, it works really interesting with the um, with the commanders. How you can if you have not played your commander, it's just free. And then if you um, play it multiple times, you only have to pay for the commander tax. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's it's pretty disgusting. <laughs> so uh, and, and the reason I want to bring it up is that Fires of Invention is too good. This card is absolutely broken, and in my opinion, should not be 
allowed in standard brawl. Um, you know, it's it's banned in standard. Brawl is supposed to be standard, uh, and this card is just way too good. Um, and, and every time I play it, I think, man, I should not be able to play this card. It's it's far too good. I I, I wanted to bring it up to ask you, Frederick. Do you think that standard banned cards should be uh, playable in standard brawl? So some of them, though, like Oko is obviously too strong. Um, Sorcerer Spyglass interacts with the format in a bad way. But my case for Fires of Invention, this isn't necessarily, I wouldn't, I don't know if I agree with this or not, but I think their rationalization was when you can play four copies of Fires of Invention, you can play otherwise pretty crappy cards that capitalize on Fires of Invention and expect to have one. Things like the Red Cavalier, King Kenrith. But when you can only play one Fires of Invention, a la Brawl, um, you're not going to be able to rely on having one, and those cards are much, much worse if you don't have Fires of Invention. So it's a lot safer to let you have one Fires of Invention than to let you have four, uh, which is why it would be banned in Standard, but maybe legal in Standard Brawl. Now, is the card still too good, even if you're not capitalizing on it with um, things like King Kenrith or the Red Cavalier? Possibly, but I think that's their rationalization. It's definitely a worse card in Brawl, I just don't know if it's worse enough. That's a, a good way to put it. Um, you know, th there is that consideration that, like, the card quality and card, um, and, and, you know, the one of uh, issue of not being able to draw them kind of tempers the card a little bit. But, you know, uh, I, I I do kind of lean on the, the – on. I lean on the um, side that this card is just too good because if you can play it and you don't answer it, like – it just snowballs way too way too much in a way that I don't feel um, that like a huge game winning bot. It, it snowballs in the same way that like Ugin does, but like I feel that Ugin is a bit more uh, easy to deal with uh, than, than this mm -hmm. is um, because because there are lots of ways you can interact with an Ugin. You have to have uh, you know enchantment specifically uh, removal to get a bit. And, and for me, it's also a bit of a. Um, it's a bit of a like a design uh, situation in terms of like what brawl is or standard brawl. Um, hmm. If yeah, I, I just think if something's if this is supposed to be standard, if something's banned in standard, I don't think it should be uh, uh, available in brawl. Um, it creates that weird thing where it's like, oh, you know, I I didn't know you could play Fires of Invention. I just assumed it was banned because I mean, you yeah, know, brawl is standard. Uh, and I, you know, if they really want brawl to kind of um, um, to be something that people will care about. I think that like that design consideration needs to be considered a bit more and uh, cards like this not allowed and also not cards just added in just because they want to add cards to arena. Like get rock monster is legal in standard brawl. And I just think that, oh, that, I, didn't know that. <laughs> I think that's egregious. Uh, it just, it just should not be that way. I think that's a good reason why I think that's kind of just evidence why historic brawl is kind of the brawl that they're designing for. Um, and like they need to either provide better tool, better clarifications for standard brawl, or just support historic brawl. Um, mostly, um, I I will say I think I, I largely disagree with you on fires of invention and brawl. I think since it's unsafe to play the cards that really capitalize on it, when I lose to it, I feel like yeah, you got your stuff out faster. But if you played any other ramp spell on that turn, it probably would have happened about as fast anyway. Um, and the other thing is it gives white a little bit of an adva advantage, and white tends to lag behind in formats like this, but every white Brawl deck is playing O-Ring, they're playing Elspeth Conquer's Death, both of which cleanly answer Fires of Invention. 
So I think it's definitely one of the strongest cards in Standard Brawl, but I wouldn't say that I think it's deserving of a ban. But I do think you should play it in every red deck. But I think it's fine for there to be cards that you play in every red deck, like Bonecrusher Giant. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, yeah, you're, you're definitely right. Okay, yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, we'll, we'll just leave it there. There's another card that I went to uh, highlight, which is uh, Heraldic Banner. Uh, now, this is obviously just a three mana mana rock but it has that extra ability where you can choose a color and then creatures of the chosen color get plus one plus zero i think it's pretty obvious why this fits pretty well into phylath um i just think oh, yeah. that this is this is I, I think good design. Three mana mana rock it by itself is not good enough. They usually tack on an extra thing. And I think that, uh, you know, to have the banner, which, um, you know, can serve as a mana rock, but also just be an extra help uh, to decks that play, uh, that, that are able to produce lots of tokens. I think it's just it's a really it's a really good fit uh and i think uh, a good design and once i realized that heraldic banner was a card that i could put into this deck it, it was kind of like one of those oh this is so cool i feel i feel so awesome about this deck because i was able to find this card that hits so oh, many yeah. so many areas and is just you know a great fit and i love drawing it i love playing it it's just a home run yeah absolutely i love these um like mana rocks that are at uncommon to sort of express what the set is about um, like this one, you know, expressing the sort of monocolor theme that Eldraine had, or like the Velociraptor Skull from Ixalan that if you had the city's blessing could drain your opponents for life, um, just stuff like that. And the fact that like this one ended up being constructed playable is pretty cool. And the fact that you get to capitalize, like you play a mana rock, but also your opponent kind of has to answer it, or you're making plants that are even bigger. Yeah, yeah, um, for sure. Yeah, liberals want spiders to be even sexier. Liberals want plants to be even more powerful. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, the the heraldic banner is definitely. I, I've been convinced uh, through a, a game where I got kind of butchered that um, heraldic banner earns its place in this deck. Yeah, for sure. One more uh, card that I want to highlight is a Terror of the Peaks. Which, uh, let me pull this up real quick. Yeah, Terror of the Peaks. <laughs> this is just a good red card. Uh, you know, aggressively costed, a uh, great flyer, um, and then. It, it, you know the ability where it deals damage when creatures come into play uh is just so good that like uh, this is a card even though it doesn't really like fit into the uh super tuned game plan just once this come comes down it does a ton of work um and uh and you have to remember that when phyleth comes down you get all those plant tokens all of those plant tokens are going to trigger terror of the peaks uh you know not in a way that like uh, thorn mammoth doesn't get triggered so normally that doesn't mean anything but if you could have something like heraldic banner out or something else that can you know kind of have them immediately be pumped up um you're just going to dome your opponent you play you have terror oh, of the yeah. peaks, uh you have terror of the peaks and you play phylath and get like a have an arrow heraldic banner out that you're you're getting the five five you're getting like five tokens and then you're doming your opponent for five then probably swinging for five it's just uh it's just real good Oh, yeah, definitely. This is definitely one of the strongest, um, like, just cheesy red mythic dragons that they've printed. They seem to do that like every other set. I feel like this is up there with, I mean, Gloryburner was a rare. I guess that counts as the cheesy dragon for that set. But I think it's 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 in contention with things like Glorybringer for one of the best dragons in terms of its playability. And it, it definitely, like, even if it has kind of little to do with the theme of the deck, it, it still earns a spot just by virtue of being such a strong card by itself. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And, uh, I I have a feeling that Terror of the Peaks is a card that uh, will probably uh, whose name we will hear again later in this episode. Uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, um, yeah. 
Oh, go ahead. Uh, yeah, um, I was just going to move on to my next card here. Um, Brushfire <laughs> Elemental. Um, now, mm -hmm. the, like the the landfall trigger of this really plays into the deck, but I you know I have to be honest, it's like it as a card, like what it's purposes honestly kind of doesn't really fit the rest of this deck so brushfire elemental is a you know two mana one one it's a red green uh creature elemental it has haste and can't be blocked by creatures with power two or less but it also has a landfall ability whenever a landfall uh, land enters the battlefield under your control uh this creature gets plus two plus two until end of turn uh, this card, even though it seems like it doesn't really fit with the rest of the deck, this card does absolute work, and I am not interested in cutting it at all. If you can get this into your opening hand, this is basically what you're doing, and while you're ramping up to your um, to your Phylath or your Ugin or your Terror of the Peaks, this yeah. usually gets in for like you know five seven mana or five seven damage every game when it comes in, even if it's coming in uh, you know off the top deck uh, in the late game. Oh, for sure. Yeah, you get a Vastwood Surge after this, and it's putting pressure on your opponent that they can't they can't afford to ignore. But if they don't ignore it, they spend a removal spell that they might, might need for Phylath later before that gets out of hand. So it definitely sort of helps set the stage for uh, drying them up uh, from removal. Either that or setting them up to get, like, one-shotted by, like you said, a Terror of the Peaks. So it's very... Um, it's very much a card that sort of makes things awkward for your opponent in a big way. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, yeah, not interested. I was very skeptical about this card to begin with, but this is yeah. this is proven to be a really good card and one I'm not interested in cutting. And then I have, oh, yeah. yes, and then I have one more card that I want to talk about specifically, and that is, um, as you mentioned before, Return of the Wild Speaker. I have a feeling that most people playing uh, Standard Brawl do not know that this card exists. Yeah, um, this is one of the cards I have been wrongest about in my whole life. Um, when it came out, my roommate made a um, Garuk Tribal Oathbreaker deck with this as the signature spell and the Garuk from Eldraine as the Garuk on the front. And I thought that was where this card belonged. Are you a Timmy who likes Garuk? And it turns out I was incorrect. I've always been down on overrun effects. Um, as a like, monogreen devotion player, they just don't tend to get there. You'd rather just have your creatures be big in the first place. But I didn't consider the possibility that an overrun effect or instead just draw like six cards would be very good. Uh, I also didn't realize it was an instant. Um, so there's a lot of factors about this card. Like, like as a magic player, you read the overrun effect and you feel like you don't even need to read the type line. You're just like, oh, wizards just prints these as sorceries. No, mm. uh, as it turns out, uh, they do not. <laughs> Um, so this card just has a lot of sneaky ways in which it's super good. It will it it'll refill your hand, uh, and 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 plants are not humans, and you turns out you make a lot of plants. So either you know you're doing the swing with your like ten plants, and the Garuk's Wild Garuk's Return of the Wild Speaker just lets you win the game, or um, you know you're, str you're the board's gummed up, you're struggling for resources, but you've got a lot of these little plants, and Return of the Wild Speaker just refills your hand. Yeah, this this card is great. It being an instant is uh you know like is what puts it over the line of being a really great card. There are no humans yeah. in the deck, so it's all just you know plant tokens. Uh, it being plus three plus three means like swinging with all your plant tokens usually wins the game. I have to be honest, I actually usually never do the card draw. It's there if I need it, and I have done it before. But honestly, Return of the Wild Speaker is such an I win button that it's usually more worth it to save it and uh, until you're able to. Win win with it um because you know um 
that, that's like a better use for it uh, for me most of the time. But I have drawn cards okay. before. This card is really good, and I, I want I want everyone to know that this card exists. So I will continue to smash face with this card over and over again. Oh yeah, absolutely. I think you definitely need to put that card on the map. It's it's a it's a powerhouse. Right, yeah. So so that's my deck. Um, I'm looking forward to actually continuing to play this once Caldheim comes out. I'm going to, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I, I'm not going to shelve this deck. Uh, I'm going to keep working on it because ramp is so powerful and standard right now. This is just one of the most powerful things you can be doing. So uh, I'll, I'll keep yeah. working on this. Maybe in the future I'll uh, give an update on this list. But that is my yeah. Phylath for standard. Uh, and I want to hear about what deck you're talking about this, uh, okay. this episode. Real, real quick. One second. Uh... I am sorry. I had to uh, redirect the dog who was making bad choices. Sure, sure, sure. Um... <laughs> Uh, real quick, is there anything from the Kaldheim spoilers that you uh, know you want to add to this file deck? I have not looked at the spoilers all that much. Uh, we've we've only okay. gotten the very like top like top cards yet. Um, I haven't seen anything that's like made me immediately think, but I also haven't really been looking at them in that way. So once we get okay. the full spoiler, that's probably when I'll start coming through it and looking for stuff that I really want to put in there. And when we do our podcast on each of our favorite ten spoilers from Kaldheim, look out for that. Uh, you know, these decks will probably come up again. Uh, yeah, I'm sure um, we'll bring them up. For sure. So um, my Brawl deck is a historic Brawl deck, uh, and it is Clothis, God of Destiny. Uh, now, Clothis is the uh, the only, like, new character god that we got in Theros, and I love, I love, I, th- I think she's really cool. Um, so Clothis, God of Destiny, one, a red and a green, for a legendary enchantment creature god, four, five, indestructible. As long as your devotion to red and green is less than seven, Clothis isn't a creature. At the beginning of your pre-combat main phase, exile target card from a graveyard. If it was a land card, add a red or a green. Otherwise, you gain two life, and Clothis deals two damage to each opponent. So, this is barely a commander in like the traditional sense. It's not really a creature almost any of the time. You really don't get up to that devotion. This is really a mid-range sort of value deck. There's a lot of removable in it. But... It's a clock. It shuts off graveyard decks like that awful Nethroi deck um, that, like you know, tries to that uses the Death Shadow that um, that a lot that gives negative fifteen power to your <laughs> pile of creatures or whatever, so you can bring back a bunch of stuff. This gets rid of that. Uh, it deals with anything pesky your opponent might be trying to do from the graveyard, which in a, in a brawl deck you're usually there's usually going to have stuff, and it either ramps you or more often puts a little clock on your opponent. Draining for two really matters when you're digging for a win condition later in the game. So Clothis is just really all purpose in that sense. Um, it's much harder to remove than most commanders. You basically have to exile it, and since it's not a creature most of the time, most traditional removal doesn't even touch it. So it's very difficult to get rid of. I, I often joke that my commander is an emblem. That um, that makes a lot that makes a lot of sense, and uh, the part that uh, uh, impresses me the most about Clothis is uh, is the clock. Like that that's for for a deck like yours that is basically you know kind of playing a very fair game of Magic to have this on the field and just be like okay you know you're you're on the clock you know like regardless of whatever you're doing like you have only have this amount of time uh, to oh, yeah. fi- to finish up what you're doing is really is really strong and really annoying whenever I play against the stack. 
<laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, I love the clock. Uh, and I love just red-green ramp decks. Um, long-time listeners of the podcast will know that uh, my modern jam is mono-green devotion with a splash of red for uh, Bloodbraid Elves, uh, courtesy of Will, um, sometimes Banefire, sometimes cheesier stuff. Uh, you know, I've been thinking about throwing some Clothuses in that deck, actually. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I love the clock. I love red-green ramp. So uh, let's get into the list. Absolutely. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I've got the whole picture of the list here, and then I've got individual, like, sections of the list um which i made the slideshow and i fucked up on will's part um i thought he wanted to showcase those parts of the list and that the top cards of the stacks were what he wanted to talk about um but the um the list so as you guys can see this is sort of a mid-range i'm a little heavier on the early game in terms of like little ramp creatures because i don't really get any synergy from uh lands actually entering the battlefield so i'm only playing the best things that fetch lands and put them into play. Um, whereas Will, you know, he gets a little something extra off of the lands coming into play. So he he wants to prioritize that type of ramp, whereas I'm going to play both Gilded Goose and, since it's legal in this format, Lana World. Um, that makes a lot of sense because, you know, not that it's your number one game plan, but you like you are interested in having Clothis become a creature and uh, being able to just, you know, smack for an extra four. It makes sense that uh, adding devotion to the field is something uh, that you're you're not you're not upset with doing. Absolutely. Um, I, I there are times that I do not want to add enough devotion because I, I know my opponent's probably got like a Vraska's Contempt or something and I would rather my Clothis not be removable. Um, but yeah, I often, um, I often do want the little creatures just cause I don't gain anything off of actual lands entering and I want to power out my big boys, uh, like Elder Gargar off. Sure. Um, yeah. Or the, the great henge that once you've landed the great henge, it's not, it doesn't have the instant game winning effect that something like Embercleave has, but it definitely does like it's extra card draw. It's life gain. It's, it's everything you need. Um, so this is the general list. It's filled with the things that you kind of include in every historic brawl deck, stuff like Solemn Simulacrum. I like Shadow Spear in all of my decks. I think it's very versatile. It yeah. deals with other people's gods. Um, it gives you a little life gain against aggro matchups. I just, I'm, I'm just in love with that card. I might be a little biased. Um, but yeah, you know, general stuff. Um, you've got Finale of Devastation for, for grabbing a big boy and ending the game if you uh, tend to get to that much mana. Um, but yeah, this is this is the list, um, and we can move on to the uh, specific cards that I want to talk about if you'd like, or yeah, we can absolutely. Yeah, yeah. It looks like you okay. got. Uh, uh, yeah, why don't you tell me about the removal that you're uh, working with on in this deck? Uh, yeah, so there, I wanted to highlight two pieces in particular, and one of them I was very surprised to see was not in your standard Philath deck. Um, now I thought Bone Crusher Giant went in every red deck. I thought it was just too much value to pass up. Um, I love the the, the two-mana shock that also sometimes corner case makes your opponent waste the card, not realizing how, like, protection works or something like that. Like, Stomp can, uh, like, eat through, uh, damage prevention in a way that sometimes makes some opponents on Arena really mad because, you know, you can't take it back or ask how it works before you do it. Um, and then, you know, it's a 4-3 body for three that has a little bit of an upside after that. Um, so I'm playing Bone Crusher Giant just because I feel like it's one of the best red cards that's on Arena. It feels like the lightning bolt of Arena legal cards to me. Like just it goes in every every red deck, whether you're aggressive, mid range, control, uh, and then Lava Coil because I love you know getting rid of something that has like a good graveyard effect or that I don't want them to see them getting back. And it's for damage, which kills a lot of creatures. A lot of creatures are just out of bolt range, but Lava Coil takes care of that. 
Um, so these are my two flagship pieces of removal. Yeah, these these are great choices. Uh, to talk about Bone Crusher and, and File F for a bit, y- you actually might be right that's a mistake not to not to play Bone Crusher. Um, when I first built Phylath, it was in the Omnath meta. Like you had to be able to do four mana or four damage at instant speed uh, to just not roll over and die to the Omnath. Now that I'm thinking about the removal that I have in that deck, it very like other than like shock, it very much uh, favors doing damage at four damage and up. Um, and, and you know it's possible that I should uh, revise that and uh, change it. But you know I'm, I am running basically the the lava coil that exists in standard uh, right yeah, now. Yeah, the one that can hit planeswalkers instead yeah. of exiling. Yeah, exactly. I'll, yeah. I'll do I'll do some revision. Maybe we could fit Bone Crusher Giant in there. But you know it's just another one of those examples where you know they're just space considerations. You can't play every single good card that you want but you know bone crusher giant for all the reasons that you said absolutely great card and 100 percent a good fit for your deck yeah yeah i i love the bone crusher giant i guess phylath just might be a little bit more committed to its plan than i'm estimating it to be and bone crusher giant like while it, it does have literally nothing to do with the plan it is you know a removal spell and then a body and um i understand like maybe you're recovering from omnath trauma um and there <laughs> are still a lot of things that bone crusher giant can't kill but there are plenty of things that it can, including some commanders. Some people play cheap commanders in Brawl that only have two toughness yeah, that that's... you can take out with Bone Crusher Giants. Some people play Lurus. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And, and, and a Stomp is great. That means they only got to get one thing back. Uh, and then, incidentally, Lava Coil means they won't. Um, but, yeah, like, uh, I, I love Bone Crusher Giant. Uh, in terms of other pieces of removal, um, I do play like Lightning Strike uh, just to kill like a Walker or a three toughness creature. Just yeah. just general pieces of removal. I might should replace that with some. Uh, I do play Fire Prophecy as well for a little bit of cycling. Oh no, that's um, that's a good like, card. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Just to get rid of like a ramp piece or something. I play. I'm playing it in my standard um, Outlaws Merriment deck too, and it's it's been performing pretty well. Uh, underestimated card, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's my removal suite. Um, next, we can go on to the big boys. Big, uh, now big. this isn't all. Hey, so, one, one moment. One moment. Big boys. Do you have a kazoo on your desk? Yeah, I, I figure I don't have the the sound like the zoo radio uh, morning radio soundboard, so I just have to go with the kazoo and then my uh, incredibly awful voice. But uh, yes, tell us about your big boys. <laughs> I would love to tell you about my. Actually, big boys. Hold, hold on for a second. I'm going to grip it and rip it. There we go. Yeah, lemon lime fizzy wire. <laughs> Okay, continue. Um, so, first, uh, a, a bit of an honorary big boy, a combination big boy and removal is Banefire, one of my favorite cards. I played it in the Mono Green Devotion list briefly. Um, it's X and a red. If X is five or greater, can't be countered. Deal X damage. Uh, it's, uh, I think, the best fireball in Magic. Um, arguably up there with the one for more in this War of the Spark that casts something cheaper from your hand. That one's pretty good, too. But um, this... Uh, this one is a removal spell early, or it'll kill your opponent's commander if you have enough mana, or it'll kill your opponent if you have enough mana. And, like, I loved winning mod- modern games against, like, Jeskai or Grixis Control with a full grip of counter spells by just Bane firing for, like, 30. Mm, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, but it, and it does, it, it accomplishes largely the same thing here, because, you know, there's Ashiok decks, there's Narset decks that do want a full grip of counter spells and then to just kill you with a Planeswalker while they're countering all your spells. And if you've gotten in enough damage early, Banefire can stop that. 
Um, we've also got Stone Coil Serpent, which I think is definitely one of the best Hydras. I know it's not literally a Hydra, but you know what I mean if you're a Magic player when I say Hydra. Yeah. Um, one of the best Hydras they've ever printed. Uh, it's just X, and it's an artifact creature. It's not green. Um, Reach Trample Protection from Multicolored. And, of course, it enters with X plus one plus one counters. Um, so this can be an early game creature. It can be a late game creature um, that's really huge. You can just drop it as a 3-3 if you need to get in some early damage. Uh, and it doesn't die to Ugin. Um, I will say uh, it dies to Ratchet Bomb. I learned <laughs> the other day uh, when I had two, like, 7-7 seven, seven or 8-8 eight, eight Stone Coil Serpents and Will played a War Karn <laughs> and grabbed Ratchet Bomb. And I was just, I read it and I was like, oh, I thought you couldn't name Zero because I couldn't destroy land, but it just says non-land permanent. It lets you name zero. I was getting it mixed up with um, Warzone or whatever, the thing from War of the Spark that comes in with a counter so you can't get rid of tokens. Uh, blast Zone. With it. Yeah, Blast Zone. There we go. I was getting it mixed up with Blast Zone. So I got blown the fuck out by Ratchet Bomb with Stone Coil Serpent. But otherwise, it's pretty good. Uh, not being able to block, be blocked by multicolored creatures is surprisingly very relevant. Um, so excellent card all around. This card does so much. Like protection from multicolored oh, yeah. is huge. Um, the fact that it reaches, that it tramples, that it scales with the game. Yeah, this this card is. It just does so much at so many points in the game. Um, honestly, this you know I, I'm surprised you don't see this even more uh, in even more decks just because it kind of fits into everything. Oh yeah, reach is something that's easy to forget about too. And in a paper game of Magic, you'll be like, oh, can I take that back? And if your opponent's not an asshole, or even if you're at FNM, you can make the case that they have to let you take it back if you can read the card right, because it's like casual REL. But on Arena, you attacked with your flyer, it's getting eaten by the Stone Coil Serpent. Oh, yeah, There's no take these maxes. So I think this card actually gets a little bit better on Arena than it does at like FNM, or especially at like a casual table. Sure, yeah. Um, just because people forget about that reach really hard. Um, speaking of reach, Elder Gargaroth, um, a card that I thought was a little bit too... And I, th I believe you had the same take as me. Um, thought was a little bit too um, dies to removal to be good. It does a little bit too. It doesn't do anything when it enters. It's not a frag tusk. You know what I mean? I, every, so, everyone thought that. You know, uh, and then it ended up being even like fringe standard playable. Like, yeah, this this card it, it does die to removal. But if it doesn't die to removal, it just does so much that it's uh, it's a it's a home run card. Yeah, the modern pseudo Ponza decks are playing it too mm, okay. in the main board. Yeah, which I thought was fucking insane. I was like, oh, why wouldn't you just play Thrag Tusk? But apparently, this just does enough and doesn't die to push or bolt. So yeah. you know, you don't. You're only getting eaten by path. Uh, I'm not playing it in Mono Green Devotion because I have Primeval Titan, but it is a sweet card. Uh, you know, six six for five Vigilance Reach Trample, and when it attacks or blocks, you get to choose to either get a three three, gain three life, or draw a card. So it just does. So much um, auto include, I think, in a rampy green red um, brawl deck, um, especially one that you know, like you 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 only play the best top end threats because your commander is a top end threat, so you can afford to be a little lighter on those in the actual deck. Yeah. Um, so you don't necessarily you wouldn't play this one, but since I my commander is a clock and I need to actually put the top end threats in my deck, Elder Gargaroth it answers that call in a really nice way. I also just love the art on this card, the little cardinals in the front. I just think it's really pretty. Man, your um, your deck is uh, hosing flyers left and right. I, I bet you have all sorts of people that are just swinging into your uh, Elder Gargaroth and your Stone Coil Serpents and just getting blown out, right? Oh yeah, for sure. Life is good, dude. And in Historic Brawl, a lot of people are playing Kaikar. Um, which, fun fact, uh, saying his name on YouTube will demonetize your video because there's a racial slur in it. Oh, um, okay. Yeah. Uh, so he... Um, Should I cut that out? 
<laughs> yeah, maybe. Okay. Um, <laughs> so Bleep, the Jeskai bird uh, wizard, bird monk. Mm. You know who I'm talking about, right? From yes. M19? Yeah, that guy. Uh, he's pretty big in Historic Brawl because, you know, he combos. He's one of the better just Jeskai cast spells sort of commanders. And I've had him be swung into my Elder Gargaroths before. Mm-hmm. Um, and he gets uh, plucked out of the sky. So Elder Gargaroth is pretty sweet. Uh, and then we've got, um, you know, friend of the show, Ugin the Spirit Dragon. Uh, the Cancer um, Dragon. Yeah, yeah. Ugin the Cancer Dragon, according to our first hate comment. Um uh, the, uh, something about fuck wizards. I don't know. I'm not reciting it here, but, uh, you know him, you love him. And if you don't love him, he loves you enough for the both of you. Uh, eight mana, seven loyalty planeswalker plus two lightning bolt minus X exile each permanent with converted man cost extra less. That's one or more colors minus 10. You gain seven life, draw seven cards, put seven permanents, uh, from your hand into play. Life is good. If you can make eight mana, you're playing this card. It's a no-brainer. It's such an uh, I win button that you're. Oh, you know, yeah. if, if you're not doing, if you are doing any sort of like being able to ramp into mana, I, I really think you gotta be playing this card because it comes down, it wipes the board, and then you know, like it's just such an I win button. I, I would play this in anything that has any ability to jump up to eight mana. Oh, for sure, yeah, or just any ability to cheat permanence in. Sure. Um, I saw people trying to do a modern deck with that. Um, that uh, show and tell planeswalkers thing mm-hmm. um, that would play just like Ugin and like one of the nickel bolas, the seven mana nickel bolas from or the or from uh, Hour of Devastation. Anyway, a- any deck that has a chance of getting this Ugin into the field, this is one of the best spells you can be casting. It's it's de- probably the if you if you could cast a spell for free in standard, you'd, you'd nine times out of ten pick this one. Yeah, that makes, um, that makes a lot of yeah. sense. Yeah, so any decks that can make the mana to be playing this. I am also playing Baby Ugin, which, um, you know, standard uh, Brawl decks don't have access to because it's from War of the Spark. But it does make all your colorless spells cheaper, uh, which is Solemn Simulacrum, it's Stone Coil Serpent, it's Ugin the Spirit Dragon. Your mana rocks. Yeah, yeah, it's all your mana rocks. Um, Shadow Spear is free, stuff like that. And then it's also removal, and it pumps out guys that draw you cards when they die. So I think also one of the better Planeswalkers uh, on Arena. Mm-hmm. Um, which I have access to, but again, I don't know if Will would play it if he did have access to it. It seems a little antithetical to his plan, um, but he doesn't have to make that consideration because he's playing standard. Do you play Big Ugin in your deck? Uh, yes, yes, I, um, okay. it is. Yeah, I, I think I mentioned it in the top. And yeah, it's, you just have you just have to play it. It wins almost every time I play it. It's it's just so good. Yeah, and I mean, it, 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 this speaks to how good Ugin is. Ugin is a complete non-bow with your commander. If you minus him for anything, all your plants go away, and you still play him because he's so strong. Right, exactly, and I've been trying to yeah. uh, tell my friend who is a huge uh, Nethroy fan, uh, he refuses to put Ugin in his deck. One, because it is a Nambo, and two, I just think he dislikes the card. But, you know, uh, when he sends me his list, I put Ugin in it because it's such an I-win button that I feel, even though it's a Nambo, you, you still play it just because it, if they can't answer it, you just win. I mean, I'm basically in the same place. Usually, I'm 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 keeping my board relatively empty as I play, other than Clothus. But with Ugin, I'm okay with Exile and Clothus. I'll just play it again at the end of the next turn. Um, it also like it doesn't get rid of Stone Coil Serpent. It doesn't get rid of Baby Ugin. It doesn't get rid of Solemn Simulacrum. You get to keep all those things when you minus him. So yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, we've already made a whole podcast half of which was just about how great Ugin is. So <laughs> exactly, we 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 get the idea. Ugin, good card. Ugin, good card. Yeah. Okay. 
Um, so then I'll just give a brief mention to the ramp, uh, and then we'll wrap up the discussion of my deck. Like I said, um, I do play the one mana mana dorks, uh, mostly because there's more of them in this format, and because I don't really get anything in particular off of my land, be my ramp being land, like Will does. He gets combos with his commander off of that. Um, so rather than playing things like Guild of Goose, he's playing things like um, Explosive Vegetation and those types of cards, uh, with the other name and kicker. Um, so I am playing like, you know, Solemn Simulacrum, the ramp that everyone's playing. Um, it's a two, two for four. Uh, you get to fetch a basic land and put it in tapped when it comes in and when it dies, you draw a card. Awesome. Um, you know, yeah, and when you wipe the board with Storm's Wrath, you get to draw cards. It's a little silver lining there. Uh, I am playing Beanstalk Giant just because, you know, if I want three mana ramp, I want it to also be a beefy dude later that my opponent has to answer. Um, so that's where Beanstalk Giant comes in. I'm also playing Cultivate. I'm playing those types of cards, um, but just not in the capacity that Will is because he, you know, obviously wants lands to come in. He gets little dudes off of it. Yeah, Beanstalk Giant. Beanstalk yeah, Beanstalk Giant. Yeah, just uh, it, it does two things in one. And, and, you know, if you're playing a deck that only has 60 cards, uh, you just want to, you know, get you know get that extra value you get the land and you just get the big creature that your opponent has to deal with so uh, it, it totally makes sense for you to have it in your deck yeah i think uh, these adventure cards especially like beanstalk giant trick people as to their playability because you just look at the creature and feel like the spell is stapled to it and the creature is pretty bad you don't want to be spending seven mana for like an eight eight or a nine nine that's just not good especially in brawl um but you really should be looking at as the at, at looking at it as the ramp spell and the creatures the bonus thing that you get. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Because the ramp spell is obviously very good. It comes in untapped, so you can then I've I've often like dropped down a shadow spear or a mana dork or shock something, um, off of the fertile footsteps. Mm -hmm. Um. Because the land comes in untapped. It's like um, it's like journey to tomorrow. Um. So very very good uh very good card. Uh, and I think if you look at it as the spell with the creature attached. You'll you'll see the card for what it is, and it's it's pretty powerful. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Definitely makes sense for you to have this in your Clothis deck. Yeah, yeah. So uh, that's the historic uh, Clothis Brawl list. Um, we want to know what you play in Brawl. Uh, hit us up in the comments uh, and tell us what your favorite Brawl decks are. Uh, you know, what if you play these lists? What do you include? What are some spicy Brawl cards you think other people may not have thought about? Because Brawl is the type of format for that. You know, Will wants to show everybody that. Uh, Return of the Wild Speaker is good. <laughs> yep. I, yeah, I want to show everybody that Clothis is good. Um, you know, you've got you. This is a format where you really get to let your pet cards shine. So let us know what you're playing. Um, yeah, uh, down in the comments. Yeah, tell us what hard choices you're making in your decks. Like, uh, you know, I, I we, we we're talking about that, um, you know, space consideration where you can't just play all of the good cards. So, what what good cards do you know are great, but you're not playing? Um, I know Rada, uh, you know, which is a card that I have in my deck. Um, it, I see people playing, you know, Rada as a um, uh, as a commander. How is that deck uh, different from the decks that we have? Uh, we want to hear from you, so you know, let us know in the comments, and uh, we, we want to hear how we are wrong and how every choice we've ever made uh, is uh, is cringe. Yeah, uh, and uh, we are one for one and reading hate comments live on the podcast. So you know, see if you can get yourself featured. That's the kind of community we want to cultivate. And we, we appreciate all of the um, interaction, uh, the uh, uh, anything that gets us shown more on YouTube, I am all for. So any comments, good or bad, please give them to us. Share this podcast with a friend. Share this podcast with a coworker. 
share this podcast with uh, your nurse if you're currently in the ICU with COVID. Uh. Um, share this podcast uh, with your landlord. Uh, and, and then, then dispose of them. And then show this podcast to someone with a real job. <laughs> there you go. All right. All right. You want you want to button this one up? Yeah, yeah. Let's button this one up. This might need to be edited. I apologize. No, that's okay. Thank you for listening to this episode of Gutshot. Um, you can find me on Twitter at FredSB, on Twitch at WarCrimesUwu. Uh, Will is at AgroRhetoric, and you can follow the show on Twitter at GutshotPod. This has been Gutshot, the only MTG podcast that crews on your instep. See you next time.